Welcome to The Year Ahead, a mini-series from the Heinemann Podcast. My name is Minu Rami, and I'm the author of Thrive, Five Ways to Reinvigorate Your Teaching. I've always believed that teaching is harder if you do it alone, and teaching during once-in-a-lifetime pandemic is as hard as it gets. But by meeting educators around the world who are going through this too, maybe together we can share ideas, commiserate, and be a witness to each other's experiences. In this podcast series, we'll meet educators who are getting ready to return to school under the most challenging and unusual circumstances. In today's episode, we're meeting James Prothrow all the way from Wales, UK. James teaches his students in an elementary school, and this year we'll be shifting his student-centered learning approaches to meet this hybrid learning moment. More information about our guests and resources mentioned during this episode are in the show notes. Now let's meet James. James, it's good to see you. Welcome. Um, It's been a while. Um, I don't know if you can see, but I'm wearing a Minecraft shirt in your honor. Um, (laughs) One of the the things that um, I'm really excited that I get to talk to you about, James, is not just our our mutual love for game-based learning, but, uh, you know, I hope in this conversation that we'll get to dig a little bit deeper into how you have taken what students love and um, have made it the center of your practice. And when I think of one of the most thoughtful and compassionate people to work with young people, you're one of the people who comes to my mind. So I'm really uh, thankful that you're making time for for this um, chat. And um, I'm really excited for those listening to get to know you a little bit. So welcome. Oh, thanks, Minu. It's my act absolute pleasure to to speak to you today and um, really looking forward to catch up really on on everything that's going on with teaching and learning particularly in in these times you know so yeah really excited yeah I mean um, you know we've shared some really fun experiences like remember when we used to be able to get on planes and get on <laughs> stages yeah. uh, um, and uh, you picking up a very sleepy me from Cardiff train station <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah so I mean I think you know if you want to know who if someone is a good uh, professional development leader ask them to teach a bunch of adults Minecraft and uh, you and I have both seen each other do that so uh, that's a that's a bond that that can't be broken easily so I'm super super excited so I obviously uh, know you and and know a bit about your practice and have even have even seen you, um, you know, leading your practice in person. But those listening might be like, who is this guy with an awesome accent on this podcast? Um, so do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your teaching journey, what you love about your your work? Um, I'd love for people to hear a little bit more about that. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm James Prothero. I'm assistant head teacher at um, Darren Park Primary School, which is in Wales, hence the accent, uh, in a little town called Ferndale. Um, I've been teaching now for 16 years um, and I've been in a more formal leadership role for the past seven years. Um, my expertise really, so I, I worked with students aged between three and 11 uh, in a primary school. 
my main teaching practice has been with the, those learners between sort of seven and 11 years old, that type of thing. And I've got to be honest, it is an amazing job. I love working with young people. Um, you want honest feedback about anything, ask a seven or eight year old child and they'll tell you exactly what they think. And I think that's one of those things that you've always got to be learning you've always got to move with the children and you know because if, if something doesn't work they'll they'll definitely tell you if they're not enjoying something um a real real advocate my passion i guess would be for using technology in the classroom but in a really an integrated approach to teaching and learning so not using technology for technology's sake really um using it to open new doors open horizons for for learners that I guess without that sort of technology they wouldn't be able to do so um, as as you already said uh, I'm a huge advocate I love using Minecraft education edition in the classroom um, not just because it is an amazing and engaging tool but I've seen how it can develop a range of skills um, and knowledge with our learners but in that really engaging and innovative platform and particularly how we can use it to sort of raise aspirations, um, letting learners discover that they've got more experience than their teacher is something that they love doing. So getting them to share their knowledge, their expertise with me certainly keeps me um, on my toes, but with other learners and with other teachers is, is just an amazing thing. So yeah, I love teaching. I've also had the pleasure of working with lots of teachers from around Wales. Uh, our school is um, a centre for, for for professional development for other learners using digital digital skills. So as as you already mentioned, I love working with teachers from lots of different backgrounds, but our learners particularly have got so much from sharing their expertise um, with other learners. You know, so we we've created sort of mini mini digital trainers that have have to be fair, they just amaze me all all the time, really. Yeah, I'm, I want to come back to a few things, um, especially the way that your students uh, teach adults. And I definitely want to touch on that in a moment. Um, do you want do you want to help us uh, understand a little bit of the context of your students? Like where where are they growing up in Wales? You know, what is their experience like? And when we talk about this opening of horizons for students, why is it particularly important for for students that you teach and you reach every day? And and I want to clarify, even though you are a school leader, you still work directly with students that you're yeah. still um, teaching students. Yeah, that's right. So um, our school is situated in a little town called Ferndale, which is in South Wales in the UK. And I guess what's really special for me about working in that area is that I grew up there as well. So the, the school that I teach in, I went to myself as a child. And um, our learners are absolutely amazing. They're fantastic. They're like sponges, I guess. You know, they they take everything on board and you know, they really want to learn and, and to develop their knowledge in lots of different ways. I guess our main challenge um, is that a lot of our learners, um, our so the town where our school is in, in Ferndale is only about twenty five miles away from from the capital city of Wales, but 
on public transport to get from our town to the capital city, it would take you over, I guess, an hour and 45 minutes. So unless learners have access to cars, they don't tend to go very far. So their immediate sort of environment is what most of them sort of see. And it is a lovely environment. It's a beautiful place to live. It's situated in, you know, in a, a, a valley's community. You've got green as far as the eye can see. Um, but they're limited, I guess, in what's there beyond that immediate sort of environment. If they want to, a lot of our parents work in that immediate vicinity. Um, so they don't go very far. So I guess as a school for us, one of those challenges is how do we raise aspirations to think, well, there is a, a really big wide world out, you know, out there. Um, and I guess the one thing we've really used that has been the most pivotal to this journey is how we've used technology to raise aspirations and I really get learners to see well there is a big wide world out there but to using technology it's just a laptop or a device away you know so we've really integrated things like Skype in the classroom has been huge we've had um, our learners have organized sort of meets with schools in well all over the world really you know Mexico United States uh, all over Europe um, and they see this as part of their learning. They don't see it as anything special anymore. It's just what they do. And that's what I want. You know, I want them to understand that if, you know, you could work, you could stay in your locality forever, but you could be working with America. You could be working anywhere, anywhere in the world with, with technology. As well as this, actually, as, as I mentioned earlier, it's using technology in a really purposeful way. So, our we call them our digital leaders. They're called Digi Darrens at Darren Park Primary. They came up with, with that, that. I love I love that name. <laughs> they, they came up with that name, and and every year we enter something called the Enterprise Troopers Competition. So I guess the the main aim of this is to start a business from scratch and basically you know enter a competition and compete against other schools who do exactly the same thing so we had you know we did we ran it as a whole school um competition first of all so you had some classes making things like um you know friendship bracelets or bookmarks or cakes or fruit kebabs but i was so impressed when my learners said well as digital as digital leaders we train other children in our school how to use technology. Why couldn't we do this for children in other schools but charge them for that? So they developed this model where, and they priced it from, from the very beginning. They looked at, well, if I was going to visit another school, what, what costs would I need to think about? So they thought about things like transport, access to equipment in other schools, you know, the amount of money it would take. They even thought, well, we can't go on our own to another school. So we need to work out how much it would be for a teacher to take wow. us for the day. So they worked out that if we had a substitute or supply teacher in for that day, how much it would cost. And they made, well, it was amazing, they entered the competition. They made something like, I guess the amount of money they made is irrelevant, really, but they, they made over like £5,000 over the year. But the experience is that the 
that it gave them and the confidence those children have now to talk to adults from from anywhere um it just amazes me and and these are children that initially didn't want to talk to another adult you know from the next school literally now they will interview teachers from across the world really confidently and i think it's using using technology in a purposeful way but not forgetting those skills that we want them to develop as a result of what we're doing yeah i mean what i'm what i'm struck by when you share the need to expand students view of the world beyond their immediate neighborhood you know I think no matter where listeners are tuning in from, they can relate to this. You know, uh, for me, it was teaching students from Southwest Philadelphia who had never been to Center City, Philadelphia, which is only, you know, like 10 minute drive in a car and leaving their immediate neighborhood to see what the center of the city has to offer in terms of culture and in terms of opportunities um, that that is so common, whether you're in a small town in Wales or a small town in America, um, or you are in a neighborhood in a in a urban city. Um, and I, I think what struck me about about what you said was the purpose behind bringing technology into the classroom, where the student remains the center of it. That. It's not about whatever's the latest fad or whatever the the latest shiny thing is, but rather, you know, letting the students lead. And literally in this case, the Digi Darens are the ones leading. They came up with the idea. They figured out the cost profit ratio. They worked out the the practical details and they ran their own business. So I'm I am struck by your practice in the way that uh, technology is literally a, a tool, but really it's the relationship and the needs for needs of students and expanding their world that remains the core of your your practice. You know, doing this, as you said at the beginning, in these strange times, you know, where at least once a year I would I would get to see you and be excited to see you, uh, you know, whether whether it's in London or, or Wales. Um, this year, we're not going to be able to do that. This, this year is unlike any other year for all of us. I'm just curious about how things are going in, in Wales. Um, if you are back in school or if you are opening school and what will school look like uh, this year in Wales? And, and just for you to, to share a bit more about that. So we are we're opening for all learners in September, um, and we've basically been uh, our, our government has basically told us in Wales that we'll have full numbers in each class. They've they've more or less said that social distancing between adults and learners is still really important, but in terms of groups of learners. Um, a child from a, a class will stay in that class bubble for the whole time. So we'll um, sort of stagger, I guess, or or um, start the, the, the day at different times for each class. So they're not mixing with children from other learners. 
And then throughout that day, they'd stay, we'll timetable the yards, the dinner hall, the break times to make sure that as far as we can, that we keep in learners separate from each other. It is going to be really strange, particularly with, you know, our school for a primary school in Wales is, is quite large. We've got 344 learners at the moment in school. Um, but literally we've got sort of one set of toilets for our younger learners and one for the older learners. So things like that are going to be take a lot of a lot of work it out. Um, I think what I've noticed from this whole thing is how adaptable learners are, you know, and they'll soon get used to this. We have been very fortunate that before the summer break, all our learners came back um, for four weeks in small groups. So they've sort of got used to um, the social distancing element, the, the sort of washing their hands, sanitizing their hands, those type of things. Um, I guess what's going to be different now is because they're in groups of up to 30 students, um, how, how, what is, is learning going to look like in, in that sort of sense? Um, technology, again, is going to play a huge part. But really, what something that I think has been really beneficial to us as a school is the blended learning approach that we've adopted. And throughout lockdown and throughout distance learning, it's been a really important, um, a really important part. So our learners use Teams. They have been using Teams to communicate. We've been able to do things like face to face calling just to be honest sometimes just to check in with our learners and see if they're doing okay rather than to to do any formal teaching but then they've been able to collaborate with their classmates using that using that platform as well so when we come back to school we'll be able to this blended approach will involve you know face-to-face -face learning time for online learning but then hopefully because um you know if, if whatever happens down the line, you know, who knows, we could end up being in a situation where the school has to close again. Hopefully, because learners will be so used to using these platforms, it'll be seamless, that transition. So, um, but yeah, very sort of, I, I think very exciting times. I think learners, I'm sure learners are ready to come back because, you know, it will be close to six months um, in Wales since some of our learners have, have been have been in school so from a social point of view definitely but obviously there are going to be teaching is going to be very different to what it was last September you know we call it the new normal from, from at the moment because um, you know and what is that normal going to look like I guess only time will tell and yeah I, I think the resiliency of of young people you know is always there and it's something that you're always struck by when things continue to change in schools, even when we're not living through a pandemic or teaching through a pandemic. Um, students quickly adapt, um, and it's often very telling how hard it is for adult sources students in, when it comes to adaptation. Um, I'm I'm curious about you know some of the um, and for folks who are listening. Um, Teams is like an equivalent of, of Zoom. I'm curious about um, digging a little bit deeper into your blended learning approach, um, especially, you know, how you're using um, things like Minecraft and game-based learning. You know, for some of some folks who might be listening, 
a Minecraft might be the thing that they know their students uh, play at home or their own children play in the back of their car on a long uh, on a long ride or they've heard of things like creeper creepers blowing up um but you know beyond that uh, they might be like what like minecraft in a school um you know i want to it's such an important part of your your practice again not not for the tool but what it has done for your your students i want to give you a moment to talk about that and just um describe like the types of learning that your students have done with with Minecraft? Yes, thank you for that. Uh, Minecraft Education Edition is a tool that our learners love, but as a as a vehicle for developing knowledge and skills, it's an amazing, amazing. I can't speak highly enough about it. Uh, now, I've been using Minecraft for, for the last five years in the classroom, and we've done some amazing projects, again, all learner-driven projects from things like researching the heritage of the school's area. The students found out about a mining disaster that killed about 250 people from the community 150 years ago. But because they don't understand really that, you know, the area used to be a mining community, it didn't mean anything to them. So the fact that they were able to research, find out things about it, and then create, like, guess do like a field trip type thing they went to the site they recorded the information they created that mine uh, using minecraft and they were able to immerse themselves you know so they put themselves they imagined what it was like to travel underground they wrote diary articles which they then shared to each other so they were really using it to i guess construct reality and think about you know how they could access those skills in this way um, you know, so we've used it for developing history in lots of different ways. One thing that for me has been very, very different has been in the past, we've always used Minecraft where uh, it's been a face to face experience. We've worked together. I've introduced the problem or they've introduced a problem and we've used it together in one space at one time. Obviously, during um, lockdown, when we were thinking about distance learning, this wasn't possible. So I created a project, and, and as, as I mentioned earlier, we used Microsoft Teams to collaborate and communicate and to share information through a shared platform. But then we also used uh, Minecraft Education Edition uh, for learners to collaborate with each other. And so the project was called Amazing Architecture. And the whole project was designed to think about, okay, so what does an architect do you know we see buildings appear all the time but what what is that process what does it look like so i created a world in minecraft education edition um and i built a hotel in that in that world and it was called the beacon hotel and i placed lots of information signs and boards and links out to other websites and the first thing the learners did was they they roamed around they explored that building and in each room, there was a guide or an NPC, a non-playable character, that would give a little bit of information about how the how the world was constructed. Um, so the learners did that. Then they went away and they used other tools such as Microsoft Sway to think about their own amazing building, to design their own amazing building as well. And they created a multimedia presentation using Sway again, which is a really interactive tool where learners can create their own their own presentations in a really easy way 
the fantastic thing about Minecraft is that through using an NPC, you can share that link and attach it to the Minecraft world. So we, we set this up, learners did that, and then they came to the fun part. They were able to, in this world, create their own buildings using Minecraft Education Edition and the research that they've done. So if you think about the building, all that sort of build-up work already had taken place. Now, if I was going to do this face-to-face -face in the classroom, it would be easy because I could say lesson one, I'll introduce this, we'll do some work. But using Microsoft Teams, I was able to break down the task into smaller, smaller sections. Um, and they were able to do that work and share back what they did. So I could see it, but the other learners from the class could see it as well. Now, I will say, I wonder where I fit in sometimes because the builds that the learners did in this way blew me away completely. If I give you one example, um, learners had been thinking about the field hospitals that had been appearing uh, in the area to, to cope with the COVID-19 pandemic. So one of the learners created using the Excel Centre in London. They researched this and she created what was called the Phoenix Hotel. And she said, well, I said, well, why did you create this? And she said, well, because we need to be thinking about where are COVID patients being treated. I've constructed this hospital. And they had an isolation ward. They had signs saying one person at one time, please wear masks. Remember your, prote your protective equipment. And, you know, and you think, all of this was done remotely without any sort of face-to-face -face direction for me. So, you know, Minecraft was brilliant. And Minecraft was the bit, I guess, that, that joined everything together. Yeah. But when you think about all the skills uh, and all the knowledge the children were developing as a result of that project, it, you know, it, it blew me away, to, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, just skills of research, synthesizing information, processing and applying complex information and then probably the highest skill in any learning, which is creating something new or taking the background knowledge and applying it in new contexts. The students were doing that, especially the last example where a student took a very large structure like the Excel Center in London and turned it into, uh, just in case we needed a COVID response center. That's incredible. How do you think your, your students' learning needs will shift from you know, last September to to this September, you know, and how, how will you know that and how will you meet those needs? I think the first thing, because this is a very different world to the one that, that they, they were in last September when they were coming back. And we've always got things to think about. Our learners in the UK have six weeks off in the summer. There are always things that we need to think about, like on a basic skills level, literacy and numeracy. And you think often learner skills will drop quite considerably within those six weeks, particularly our younger learners. Now, we've got to remember some of these some of these students haven't been in school for six months. So there's going to be a real focus on those basic skills, particularly um, with the face-to-face -face interaction that we have with our learners. You know, so literacy, reading, writing, and and digital skills is are going to play a huge part. For me, the most important thing that we need to consider is our learners' emotional, physical, and, and mental well-being. Because you know, 
for, for a start, it's been a very scary place to live in the world over the last few months. And some of our learners haven't really had the opportunity to talk, to discuss with anyone outside that whole, their immediate environment. So it's going to be very much thinking about how can we integrate this so the children have lots of opportunities to discuss, to talk, to, you know, to make sense of what's happening. Uh, but also that we can we can reassure learners that sometimes as adults, we don't know everything, but helping them to support them to to cope with change, I think, is, is going to be a huge part. And and on that, you know, on the same same level there. Um, learners' physical well-being. Some learners have been out of their house really for for the last few months. So you know, getting back to the you know to having regular activities within school, regular exercise, and you know, and and as I say, I've used that phrase the new normal already. But children, I think, will be able to adapt to that a lot easier than adults because they are so adaptable. But it's just reassuring learners, and and actually, you know, if if somebody is worrying. It's important for them to know, talk about it. We're all scared of things. You know, don't don't keep things bottled up. So for me, that that's going to be the most pressing thing. And, you know, we are very fortunate. Our Welsh government has actually said to us, you know, spend the first few months focusing on those basic skills that learners have missed out on as well. You know, and, and for me, you know, continuing our approach of using technology with the to you know to support distance learning still because if we are continuing to use that ultimately when you think about future ready skills you know that that's a huge a huge bonus for for learners to keep developing that yeah i mean there's so much talk about the loss of learning or loss of um, skills and loss of time and every other day i see a new article that's like the scary headline of schools have to open whether it's safe or not because um, there's loss of learning for for students. And I think what you're calling out is anytime there's a break from school, there's a rebuilding. Um, yes, this year is unlike any other, but the importance of paying attention to caring for the whole child their emotional well-being, and I love that you called out even movement, their physical well-being is just as important as ensuring that they have basic literacy and basic numeracy skills. And I think for adults who will have to stand in front of uh, students in in few weeks, um, the honesty of saying, I don't have all the answers, and this also is scary for me, um, will go a long ways in building that trust and not kind of putting up this false veneer. Um, and and it goes back to what you said, if you really want to know the truth about anything, ask a seven-year-old because uh, they, they are the biggest detectors of, of lies. Um, so I, I, think, uh, I think you're right on that. Yes, there, there will be additional supports that all students will need um, because of what we as as the world have gone through. Uh, but let's not forget about, you know, paying attention to all of their needs and not just their their basic basic learning needs. You know, I'm I'm curious about this point of caring about students to caring about ourselves and caring about um, educators. Um, you're both an educator and a and an educator leader in your in your school. 
how do you think about that? How do you think about the kindness um, that you want to ensure that your students experience, but also that the adults in your building experience? I'm curious about how you think about that. Yeah, I think that is a really important thing to consider that everybody has experienced this whole pandemic in very, very different ways. And, you know, for for some staff who might have been what we call um, shielding, so some staff have been told that they weren't allowed to leave their house because they had sort of underlying health conditions or that type of thing. You know, for those staff to then be told, okay, now you're going back to school, it's going to be a big thing. You know, some of our staff have been working throughout because our schools opened as childcare centres or hubs. So some, some staff have been back and forth the whole time. But, you know, it's OK. And I think it's really important for staff to understand that, you know, it's OK not to be having a good day. It's OK to, you know, to feel to feel worried and to feel. And I think from from my point of view as a, as a leader, I would say that, you know, um, talk, talk is, is really, really important. Talk about what's going on. Talk about how you're feeling and, you know, and and don't bottle things up because, you know, it is such a frightening time to 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 be thinking about you you've got to sort of stop sometimes and think well if I'm not looking after myself and my own well-being I'm not going to be able to effectively support my learners in the same way so we've done things like um, we've asked staff when the school day ends we've asked staff or encouraged staff not to stay in the school building but to leave to get away from the away from the school one so each class can be cleaned thoroughly but two because staff then need that time because the first few weeks is going to be exhausting for them so you know we've we've said to staff you know please don't feel that you're going home and working working every night because you know that is not going to be sustainable you know there's, there's going to be lots of things to consider so be kind to yourself we've also grouped our teachers in in teams so in terms of planning that you know that type of thing we give our teachers regular time out of the classroom for for planning, for preparation, for that type of thing. We're encouraging our staff to use um, things like Microsoft Teams to do lots of that remotely. So, you know, they don't have to physically make that journey. But I'd say the main thing really is, you know, encouraging staff to talk about what they, you know, what they're going through, you know, and to, to make sure that it's OK not to be OK. It's OK to have a bad day. The one thing I would say um, is that obviously because our learners are are themselves making sense of this whole situation, it's being careful sometimes what we share in front of the learners as well. So, you know, being responsible that if we are worried about things that we're not passing that on too mm -hmm. much to learners. So creating spaces where staff can go to have their breaks so they're away from learners, you know, is is a is a key part. I just want to call out some very concrete things in case any school leaders or system leaders are listening. You're creating room for your teachers to have space to talk about it. You're grouping them and providing a team support so they're not tackling this transition to teaching during pandemic on their own. You're giving them explicit time to do planning work, which is really important because learning has to change no matter how digital first first you were and you're making room for 
the emotional distress that everyone is experiencing and you're explicitly saying things like it's okay to have a bad day and there's room and space to process those things. So um, I, I just think, you know, uh, so many educators will look to their leaders for that kind of, of support and they may or may not get it, but it's important that we explicitly call those things out that you think are, are just important. You know, I think, as I said, no matter how digital first teachers might have been, this is going to be different. I'm curious about, you know, someone listening to this, you know, who maybe used technology, maybe didn't, but is now starting to think about how technology can be that that bridge between themselves and their students. You know, somebody who's like, I, I don't know, it feels like all too much. And sometimes it, it's just a bunch of shiny buzzwords. You know, how might you, because you you have used technology to make an impact for your students, what advice or what what would you share with them, someone who's just starting to embark on their own digital transformation of their classroom? If someone's thinking about um, how they're going to use uh, digital technology really to, to to change things within their school or to change their, their te- approach to teaching and learning, I would always say start with why. Start with the why, what you want it to do. Because, you know, a lot of schools think, well, I need to be using technology. And you ask them why. And they say, well, because everybody else is. And, you know, <laughs> that, that can't be. So I'd say establish that vision. Think about what you want to achieve. So think about your vision. Um, and then in terms of um, resources, in terms of infrastructure, make sure that as a, as a school leader, I need to make sure that all those things are set up, first of all, to, to ensure that when my staff start to use it, it's easy for them. So think about things like yeah, the infrastructure, the amount of equipment you have in school, that type of thing. And then think about the CPD, so the continual professional development. And don't overwhelm people because, you know, if you give them a two-hour sort of training and they've not had chance to try anything out themselves, it's going to be lost. So I'd say short, sharp, focused training. If I give you an example, um, we've used Teams before in school, but not really used Teams to do um, face-to-face calls with students. So the first thing we all did as a staff was we set up calls between staff where we looked at one aspect of the platform for 15 minutes. Then staff went away. They played with that for 10 minutes. The following week, we came back. And then, you know, but then we put sort of, we put the expectation on staff that at the end of the session, they would do something, come back the following session and share. So we're building on the expertise that they've already got. If we think about our digital journey within the school, um, we focused on teams as that the thing we were going to look at. We didn't then go and look at different, lots and lots and lots of different tools. We focused on one thing, introduced features, shared back, and then used it with our students. Next term, we'll think about something else. So start small, but think about why you're going to use it. If you want to use a tool to do face-to-face calls with your learners, then, you know, Teams would be a really appropriate thing to be using. If you want to think about um, a tool that can really engage 
creativity, collaboration, you know, think about something like Minecraft, Education Edition. But as I say, the same thing, whatever tool that you use, start small, a little bit and build upon that and, and think about, you know, what you want to achieve from using that tool. Yeah, I mean, starting starting with a why, you know, another Simon Sinek idea too um, that has influenced my own my own thinking about why I do the things um, that I do. And I also really want to, um, you know, also call out that you mentioned the importance of just checking in with students uh, via calls. Like so many teachers have said that um, in if if you're on Twitter or if you've been reading blogs that just the good old phone call has been been deemed like really important just to keep that connection with students going. And um, the idea that you learn something even as an adult and then you apply it and that forms up your understanding of a new concept or a new skill, that's so important. Just like we, we ask students to do that. Um, you know, James, we're going to link to your blog. We're going to link to your Twitter feed. Um, are there any other resources that you want to uh, call out um, for for your work that people should check out? Uh, yeah, so th- my, my Twitter and my blog, definitely. Um, what I would say, a really good um, article or actually a study that particularly with blended learning that I'd like to just uh, give a bit of a shout out to um, is Blended Learning in Action, A Practical Guide Towards Sustainable Change by Caitlin Rice-Tucker. I just thought from an educator's point of view, it was really, really easy to, to read and I could sort of say, oh yeah, that's why I do that, you know? So I think as educators, sometimes finding an article that's going to be beneficial that I can just immediately take something away from you know, is, is the type of thing that we're all looking for. So, so def, you know, definitely that would be something I'd recommend. You're definitely a teacher's teacher because you shout out studies that, again, firm up your why of why you bring technology in the classroom. Uh, we met because of Minecraft and my, my work on that team when I was on that team. But I know that we will have a li- lifelong friendship uh, because of our shared love of um, serving students and um, your friendship means a lot to me and your time to do this um, has meant so much to me. So thank you so much, James. Um, I hope that we'll get a chance to check in with you, check in on Rails maybe in a, in a future episode and see how your your year is kicking off. Oh, thank you very much, Mino. And it's been an absolute privilege to, to share our experiences from, from Darren Park Primary School. And, you know, right back at you. I love working with you. We've, you know, formed a real bond and really looking forward to working with you in the future. Hopefully when things have calmed down a little bit more and we are, we finally get to, um, to meet again one day. I can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah, I can't wait to see you in London again. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. It is produced and edited by Steph George. Sound mixing by Steph George. Our creative producer is Lauren Audette. And our executive producer is me, Brett Whitmarsh. To learn more about the Heinemann Podcast, visit blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.